Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We are back with a full episode today for you guys. The NFL Mock Draft Round 1 with Fantasy Analysis. And of course, this is the NFL Mock Draft season. Everybody's coming out with theirs. But... On this show, we're not going to be doing what we want these teams to do. Because in my my estimation, a, a mark of a good NFL mock draft is to try to actually do what you think the teams are going to do based on the information that you have at hand, based on what they need, based on the direction that you see the team is going, and maybe a little bit of a mixture of what you think they should do, logically speaking. That's what makes a good mock draft. A mock draft is supposed to be as accurate as possibly can be. The other good thing about, the other good mark to me, of a mock draft would be that you do not assess trades or you do not project trades. Because once you start projecting trades, what I find what a lot of these analysis do, these a lot of these writers do, is they'll wind up just doing what they would want to do if they were the GM of each of these teams once they start getting into the minutia of projecting trades from team to team. It becomes more about the analyst, less about the chances of what actually might happen or what teams and what players are actually looking for. Are there going to be trades? Absolutely, there are going to be trades in the first round. Maybe this year we don't have as many because it's going to be a virtual draft. There might be some complications that come with that. So maybe we don't have as many this year as we have in years past, but there will be trades. However, I don't believe a good NFL mock draft should be projecting trades because, like I said, it becomes more about the analysts than about trying to give the people the best information possible for what the teams are actually looking to do and what those implications might be because that's what this show is about. It's not just about what I think these teams are going to do 
there's a couple picks I have in there where I think they should do, and we'll talk about that as well. But this is mostly about what I think the teams are going to do and also what their fantasy analysis is going to be as a result of them making certain picks. And that even includes players along the offensive line and defense, what that could have for fantasy purposes as well. So we're going to be going over all that in today's show. Before we kick that off, we always kick off these shows with off-season notes. And last week when we were on the episode, I did not get the opportunity to talk about the Brandon Cooks trade. It happened Really, just after we had went on, I didn't want to go back and edit a figure. I would just wait and save it for this week. So we are going to talk about that before we get into the NFL mock draft. It's just me today. No guests. Back to the basics. 100% Dan Mater for you guys in today's show. What the show was originally all about. We're going to do that for the next couple of weeks as we talk about the NFL draft, but we're going to get back to having some great guests on for you. I'm very thankful for the guests that have come on this show so far, and we're going to get back to that and make sure you're getting all the insight and entertainment that you guys possibly can for your fantasy football purposes, because I want all of you at MD Nation to be well on your way to winning a championship and wanting to come back. So this is what we are going to do. First, I'm going to tell you guys about the MD Nation hotline before we get into the offseason notes. Remember, there's are plenty of ways that you can can go ahead and contact me. You can call the MD Nation hotline 609-362-2480 any time of day, 24-7 to leave your fantasy football comment, concern, question, whatever the case may be. You can also contact the show by following us on Twitter at MDSFFshow. You also want to do that for the player news update notifications that come out. We make sure you are have all the fantasy relevant news that you possibly need at all given times. You can go ahead and check us out on Facebook, which we are live on today at MDFF show. And you can also email the show mdsfantasyfootball at gmail.com if you want to email the show directly as there too. We are also live on sportscaster.com at the moment along with being live on YouTube. Make sure you go check out the MD's Fantasy Football Show and subscribe. And of course, we're available to you and all your podcast apps that you could possibly go to, including now iHeartRadio for the first time in the last over the past few weeks. So talking about with Brandon Cooks and that trade... Let's put aside the the fact that Bill O'Brien clearly does not believe in rookies, never wants to have rookies on his team ever, ever, ever again, apparently. Uh, let's put aside the fact that he clearly continues to show that he doesn't know anything about being a GM and what value actually means in trades. Let's put all that aside because we're here to talk about the fantasy implications of this trade. Now, what does it mean? Let's start off with the team that he left on, which was the Rams. What does it mean for the Rams? Well, What it means to me is that I think we are going to see what we saw at the end of the season last year when the Rams started going to more of a 12-man personnel, started getting Todd Gurley the ball 20-plus times in those scenarios, try to help out the offensive line and get some blocking going, and the offense became much more efficient, became much more Sean McVay-like, even though it wasn't really using the three receiver sets like it had in the past. We saw the emergence of Tyler Higby during that time. Gerald Everett got a little bit banged up, but he did come back uh, later on in his season and was playing, but was second fiddle Tyler Higby. And I expect that to be the continuing case because Tyler Higby's a much better blocker. So he's just going to be on the field more of the time. And if the Rams, if the Rams, uh, idea is to be less three receiver formation oriented, which I think is going to be the case. And I don't, I don't think they're going to be looking to draft for wide receivers in this one, or they might take one later on, but not somebody who's going to look to make an impact right away. I think they're comfortable with Josh Reynolds being that third receiver when they do go three receiver formations. But you're going to see Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. You're going to see them use Tyler Higby. You're going to see them use Gerald Everett. You're going to see them use that that 10 to 15 yard intermediate middle over the field offense with play action. They're going to use Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. 
I do believe Malcolm Brown, we talked about this a little bit in another video, I do believe Malcolm Brown will be the lead guy on first and second downs and goal line short yardage situations. While you're going to have Daryl Henderson get mixed in there as a change of pace back and be the primary guy that they go to on the third down situations. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to have a ton of speed, but that's they're they are going to attack that intermediate. They're going to be more of a two tight end set West Coast type style team. What we saw at the end of last year. I think that's what training way Brandon Cooks really means for this team. Yes, there were some cap issues that go along with this was another reason why they needed to trade away Brandon Cooks. But to me, they did it because... Sean McVay felt comfortable with the kind of offense that they had to run later on in the season and is going to look to be a bit more physical, a bit more play action related than they were a season ago. So that's the biggest thing that it means to me next year. Uh, it means more of a target share there for Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, obviously, because you don't have to worry about Brandon Cooks as much. But it also means Cooper Cup's going to be playing on the outside more than he ever has in his career. I believe he's not going to be just primarily a slot wide receiver. Uh, even when Josh Reynolds comes in the game, Josh Reynolds tends to be a guy who is also a slot receiver. So you have to figure, cal- uh, calculate that into your uh, formation as well. We haven't seen Cooper Cup have to be a primary perimeter receiver all the time. I think he'll be fine because the type of offense that they're going to be running off of this two tight end set, ultimately it'll be his job to run option routes and get open on play action. But always remember when they did not go to three receiver sets, when they did go to 12 man personnel, that Cooper Cup was not nearly as involved in the offense, and that was with no Brandon Cooks on the field. Remember, the first eight weeks, nine, ten weeks of the season, Cooper Cup was a elite wide receiver one. And then all of a sudden, he fell off. He was, he was in the wide receiver 40s a lot of the time, late wide receiver 30s, and that happened a lot when they had the big 12, 12 personnel. So that's something we have to kind of keep our eyes on, what we're going to factor into that. As we get closer to the season, I'm able to do some more calculations. I'm able to look at that more closely. I'll be able to give you guys a better idea of exactly how that will affect Cooper Cup in my projections and rankings and such. But ultimately... I don't think it's going to be a big deal at the end of the day. It's not going to be quite the drop-off that we saw at the end of the season last year because when you're talking about Cooper Cup, you're talking about a guy who is a very good route-running wide receiver who will fit in the system, who will be one of the top two guys who will be starting all-time, him and Robert Woods. I think he'll, and he's just he's going to still be Jared Goff's favorite red zone target, I believe, at the end of the day. So I don't, I'm not going to worry about it too much, but there is some pause that in this fit, he may not have the upside that we saw early on in the season last year. On Robert Woods, I don't think this changes too much. Uh, If anything, I think of the two receivers, I would feel a little bit more confident in the idea of Robert Woods being more consistent from a week-to-week basis. I don't think he has the upside of Cooper Cup because I still think Cooper Cup is the more touchdown prevalent targeted wide receiver from Jared Goff. But I think as far as you're looking for a guy that you want to get double-digit points out of on a week-in, week-out basis, I think Robert Woods is going to be that guy like he has in his career for the most part, except for the beginning part of last year where it was a little bit maddening but he picked it up at the end he did excel well in the big 12 personnel he does primarily play perimeter outside wide receiver anyway so it doesn't really affect him too much if they're going to change to this and of course I love this for Tyler Higby will Jared ever be involved yet but rarely are you able to get consistent fantasy value out of a second tight end even if it's a team who uses a second tight end often like I think the Rams very well might next season so just kind of keep that in mind when you're looking at all of that. I do like it for those purposes, but that's what the Brandon Cooks trade means on the Rams side of the football. On the Houston side, 
it, it's a little bit of a bittersweet sweet situation because, look, Brandon Cooks, I believe, is a very good wide receiver. And I'm not really 100% sure. Yes, he had the big concussion injuries last year, but I'm not really 100% sure why people seem to think that he's done all of a sudden. This guy is still in his mid-20s. He's still in the prime. He had a bad year with the concussions last year. Yes, but that was the only year that's really happened to him on that degree. Now, with concussion injuries, once you sustain them, do they tend to happen and crop up again? Yes, that's absolutely true and something you're going to have to keep your eyes on. But if you compare the injury history of Brandon Cooks to the injury history of Will Fuller to the injury history of Kenny Stills or Kiki Kute who may or may not be on the team come August uh, Brandon Cooks is still the most healthy dependable wide receiver the Houston Texans are going to have heading into the 2020 season so that's that right there gives you confidence that Brandon Cooks might be able to return to some form. The other thing that I will say to this is that I believe Brandon Cooks is going to be the number one wide receiver. There seems to be some people out there who believe it's going to be as Will Fuller as long as he's out there on the field. It's not. Look, while both of these guys are speedsters, while their primary aspects of their game is their vertical ability, Brandon Cooks is a more polished receiver. I mean, he's been in the league a little bit longer, obviously. He He's played in a lot more games. And because of that, I do think they're going to look to lean on Brandon Cooks. He's not DeAndre Hopkins, but in that role, he's going to be the number one look guy. He's going to be the guy who runs the different routes, who's going to who's going to be asked to go over the middle of the field a little bit more. I love Will Fuller as a talent. If Will Fuller could actually stay healthy, I do believe he has the tools to be a superstar wide receiver. I don't believe he has the tools to stay healthy. We haven't seen it. And it's not like a guy who gets hurt and maybe he misses a game or two here. And there. It's four. It's six. It's eight. It, you can't... You can't depend on a guy who's going to miss possibly half of the season or at least a quarter of it every single year. And that's why I think Brandon Cook is going to go into the season as the number one target throughout the entire season. Now, with Deshaun Watson and the type of offense that they run, they run the spread system. They're going to be with, with Cooks and Stills and Fuller. You best believe that they are going to be looking to be a vertical passing offense at that Brandon Cooks is going to have potential this season. After this season, I don't know, but if he's able to stay on the field, the concussions aren't as much of an issue this year as they were as of last year. He's going to have the potential to be a high-end wide receiver too as a number one target on a team that's going to look to stretch the field anyway and play to his strengths. He's Now, is it going to be consistent? No, Brandon Cooks was never a guy who was a super consistent fantasy wide receiver every single week. He wasn't a guy that if you just want to make sure I get double-digit points out of this particular spot, that that was going to be your guy. But is he going to win you weeks? Yes, 100% absolutely, because he's going to be the number one target on a team that I think does fit his skill set with what they want to do in their passing game. Do I think he has a chance to be a little bit more consistent this year than we had seen him be with the Rams over the past couple of seasons, with the Patriots before that? I do believe that as well, because I think the target share has a very good chance to be there, especially when you count the fact that I'm going to count at least four games, possibly six games, that we're not going to have Will Fuller on the team. That means his target share is going to go through the roof during that time period. I don't think this changes much for Will Fuller. I don't think it changes changes anything for Kenny Stills. I didn't expect these guys to be the number one and number two targets after DeAndre Hopkins left, whether it was going to be through the draft or now through a trade. I expected the Texans to find a way to bring somebody in there. You know Bill O'Brien was not going to sit pat. Now that I think he's going to trade away yet another high draft round pick, not necessarily, but Given that Bill O'Brien clearly doesn't want to be bothered to develop rookies anyway, you might as well go after the best veterans that you can possibly get your hands on. Now, 
There seems to be some cold water thrown on the whole OBJ to Minnesota Vikings for a second and fifth round pick. But what I will say is that if that trade were to actually happen, whether it be to the Vikings or anybody, uh, Bill O'Brien is going to look even dumber than he already is because he gave up a second round pick for Brandon Cooks. If you could have actually put that together with a fifth rounder to go get OBJ or a fourth rounder to go get OBJ, he's going to be look like an absolute moron that he didn't pull the trigger on that deal. But we'll see what happens there. A lot, Like I said, a lot of cold water got thrown on that aspect of it. But that pretty much is my analysis for now on Brandon Cooks. As we move through the season, as we get through the projections, we will have more and more information for you. But for now, we do need to move on because we have a lot we are getting to in today's draft. And before we do, I do want to talk to you guys really quick about BellyUpFantasySports.com. That is a new website over at BellyUp. They have everything encompassing for money due to sports. So you have fantasy sports, esports, and the gambling department as well. All of your sports money-making endeavors you can find at Belly Up Fantasy Sports. There's a lot of great content going on there right now. A lot of writers putting out a lot of fantasy football, especially since that is the main sport that we have at the moment. And that is what we're going to be looking for uh, moving forward. And I'll open up. As soon as sports comes back, we'll have baseball. We'll have basketball. When that comes back, we'll have some hockey as well. We always have player news information flying on the Twitter handle at BellyUpFantasy. And that goes all year long for all the sports involved. So we are all about making sure that your fantasy teams, no matter what sport they are, are always at the top and the best. So make sure you check out www.BellyUpFantasySports.com. All right. Getting into... The main events of this episode, which is my very first NFL mock draft that I'm actually doing live on the air. I didn't do an NFL mock draft last year because I thought it'd be very tedious, but this year, given that there's a lack of content in general to kind of talk about and being that the draft is next week and that is the only thing that we have to look forward to in sports, I thought I would put together my NFL mock draft for you guys. Now, remember, like I said at the beginning of the show, I did this based on what I think entails a good NFL mock draft, which is reading all the possible information that I can possibly get my hands on, being able to talk to some people who know some inside stuff around the league, and going with who I think the teams are actually inclined to go with at this moment, trying to be as accurate as possible. We do not project trades in this NFL mock draft, and I do not put in what I would do if I was the GM, except for a couple of picks that we are going to talk about throughout here because I think it just logically would make sense. And it's not outside the realm of possibility. It is very much a realm of possibility that they would take these guys. So I didn't be like, hey, I'm just going to take some random guy that I really like for no reason here when I didn't hear anything about this team looking at that player. That's not what I did there. And it's only probably twice in this entire NFL mock draft. I want this to be as accurate as possible because that's me is what marks a good NFL mock draft. And as you can see, on the clock, the Cincinnati Bengals. So I have them selecting Joe Burrow. I don't, this is consensus. Uh, anybody who tries to tell you different from Joe Burrow going number one is just trying to be different for the sake of being different. Everything we have, every piece of data we have tells us that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to take Joe Burrow. Even with all the hoopla about whether Joe Burrow really wants to go to Cincinnati, really, really wants to be there, what, that doesn't matter. It's not going to be an Eli Manning situation. While Joe Burrow has some pull as a top quarterback, he doesn't have the same pull as Eli Manning because his last name is not Manning. And that becomes a big thing, trust me, when you're breaking this all down. So we're not going to spend too much time talking about Joe, but obviously from a fantasy perspective, it works out quite well, right? Because Zach Taylor didn't really get to run his offense, right? He comes in a Sean McVay tree. He wants to run a three-receiver formation primarily. He wants to be able to attack the different levels of the field, deep, intermediate, short. He wants to be able to run the football out of a one-back formation and do play action off of that. 
they have all the pieces to do that because they did decide to franchise tag AJ Green because AJ Green seems like he is okay with playing on the franchise tag. You're going to have AJ Green. You're going to have John Ross. You're going to have Tyler Boyd. They fit perfectly to a T of what you know, if you look back at what the roles are going to be, A.J. Green is going to be that Robert Woods type. He's going to be the number one wide receiver. He's going to be the guy that they go to primarily on the perimeter. They will mix him up. He will be a guy who lines up inside and outside from time to time, but he is going to be the guy. And, of course, I would say A.J. Green, as long as he's healthy, is better than a Robert Woods type of wide receiver. You're going to have Tyler Boyd, who's going to be in that Cooper Cup role, that bigger type slot wide receiver. He also fits that role to a T with the patterns that he can run. And then you have John Ross, who will fit the Brandon Cooks role, be the vertical threat, be the guy who takes the top off defense, be the guy that makes sure defenses are not able to put that second safety over on AJ Green as well. Fits to a T. Now you have Joe Mixon, who can who has a very similar skill set to Todd Gurley, is a guy you can give the ball 20 to 25 times to, is a guy who can play on third downs and an excellent great pass catcher, can be your featured type of guy. So they have that in place. Now, yes, there's some conversations right now about the about him. You know, threatening to hold out if he does not get a long-term contract. It's too early to tell on what's going to happen on that. But make sure you're following me on at MDSFF Show because I will keep you up to date with the news that comes out on Twitter for that one. The only thing that the, this team really is missing is their offensive line. Now, they did go in free agency. They tried to sign some different guys. Nobody that I felt like makes you go, oh, this is a huge improvement necessarily. But they are trying to mix it up a little bit. I do think they got a little bit better. And I think after they take Joe Burrow in this draft, I pretty much think the rest of their draft is going to be dedicated to offensive line and defense. So we're going to see what they wind up with later on in their second and third rounds as well. And we'll see if they're able to bolster it a little bit more. So it fits really well. And Joe Burrow fits that type of Jared Goff pocket passer he might be better than Jared Goff a lot of people think he is I think he's I think honestly I think he is Jared Goff but with scrambling ability like if Jared Goff was actually had the ability to to move the chains with his legs I think that's what Joe Burrow is going to be remember Jared Goff puts up excellent productive numbers I know he somehow has the stigma that he's not really that great of a quarterback but for the guy who's going into I believe his third year or fourth year now he's had some pretty good productive years now under Sean McVay there's some things that you don't like about him there's some things you don't always trust about him and maybe Joe Burrow will be better in those senses like in clutch situations Maybe his fundamentals on a consistent basis will be better because, but it's very similar because when Joe Burrow has to throw off his back foot, when his mechanics can't be clean, I think his, the fact that he doesn't have the strongest arm in the world shows up a lot in tape. And I've talked about that in some videos that we've done prior to this point, uh, but he has the ability to scramble. So he has that extra added factor. He is a guy who, who, who primarily his skill set is built on being accurate in the intermediate part of the field. That's what he likes to do. That's what this offense is going to be built to do. So from a fantasy perspective, Joe Burrow is actually the guy, even though he's not my favorite quarterback, he's my second best quarterback. I have Tua over him. I do think Joe Burrow, from a fantasy perspective, will have more redraft value and very likely could be a pretty valuable uh quarterback streamer this year that might be able to pick up off the waiver wire if and I would maybe be open to even drafting him in those late rounds if you're just saying if you're punting on the quarterback position your plan is to stream there anyway I think he might fall into that even in redraft leagues and let alone what his value could be for dynasty Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Moving on here, we got the Washington Redskins. Now, on the Washington Redskins side, I 100% expect them to take Chase Young. Uh, I don't think see there's any reason why they're not got, not going to go that route. They are switching from a 3-4 to a 4-3 defense. Chase Young is that perfect pass rushing 4-3 defense event. He does have the ability in his body size to bulk up a little bit more. And if you put on another 10 pounds, he'll be your prototypical type of 4-3 defensive end where he needs to work on that part of his game. He has to get a little bit bigger because the one thing about Chase Young is that I have absolutely no fear running the football directly at him. I'm, I'm not going to worry about him getting off his blocks. I'm not not going to worry about him blowing up my my running back in the backfield and penetrating in that way. He is right now. He's more of a pass rusher than anything else. He does have the ability to get better, though. He does have the potential to be a great four three defensive end. Now, I do want to throw a little bit of cold water on him for some degree because there's a lot of people coming out to saying he's better than both of the Boses. He's not. Not coming out of college. I'm not saying he can't be better than both the Boses, but right now coming out of college, he's not. Because the thing about Joey Bosa and Nick Bosa, there was not a weakness in their game. They could be great passers, great penetrators, but they are also great against the run. They're great defensive line anchors. Chase Young is not that. There is a weakness in his game. So I want to throw a little bit of the cold water on all this noise that I've heard about Chase Young is better than Nick Bosa. And Joey. He's not. You want to say he want maybe he winds up being a more explosive pass rusher if you want to make that argument. But as far as an all three defensive end, he's not on their level coming at least coming out of college. We'll see what winds up happening to him if he goes to the Washington Redskins, which is what we expect him to be able to do. The Washington Redskins might have one of those sleeper defenses when you're looking at your fantasy leagues going into next year because this is a team that has a very good front seven with Kerrigan coming back, Montez Sweat, who will fit the system much better as a 4-3 defensive end than he did as a pass-rushing hybrid linebacker in the 3-4 defense that they were in last year. Deron Payne's an excellent interior defensive lineman, and if you add Chase Young to that mix, this is going to be a defensive line that is going to be able to get after the quarterback. Now, you're still going to be able to run on them at the edges because Montez Sweat, Chase Young, like I said, are not great guys stuffing the run. Neither is Ryan Kerrigan, even though he has a little bit more veteran presence to him. They're still going to be able to run at this team, but they're going to be able to get after the quarterback on third downs. They're going to be able to make create turnovers, create pressure, create sacks. So this is a defense that you may want to take a look at heading as we get closer to August as one of those sleeper defenses if you just want to punt on the position you stream defenses anyway which is a very common thing to do the Redskins might be something you want to look at here if especially if they add Chase Young to that mix the next team on the clock is the Detroit Lions now with Detroit Lions it's pretty much either you're going to trade out of this pick or you're going to take Jeff Okuda I don't think there's anything in between uh, when you're talking about the Detroit Lions, they just trade away Darius Slay. This makes all the sense in the world. Jeff Okuda, I think, is a true shutdown corner. I'm not usually big on defensive backs going this high, especially if they're not freaks of nature. With I don't believe Jeff Okuda is a freak of nature, but there's no weakness part of his game. I mean, he has the speed to be able to stick up with the speedsters on the outside. He ha- He's a 6'1", 205. He has some thickness to him. He has the ability to be able to jam you at the line. He's a great man-to-man 
go get them, take out your number one wide receiver corner. Now, as a rookie, he's going to be able to do that consistently. No, of course not. He's going to be a rookie, but he is on that track to play. They need to be able to replace Darius Slay. This makes all the sense in the world if they don't wind up trading out of this pick. And they are, I would say, one of the teams that are candidates for doing so. I think they're more of a candidate to trade out of this pick than the Washington Redskins are at number two. Uh, and this is where we might be able to see our first trade come that time. Now, not too much to talk about because even when you add Jeff Okuda to this defense, I still have a lot of issues with this defense. They don't have a consistent pass rush. You can still run on them pretty easily. So adding Jeff Okuda does not make a short lines defense to me somebody who I would suddenly be looking at in a sleeper type position when it comes to fantasy football uh, drafts. But I do think Jeff Okuda has a bright future ahead of him if you're playing in those IDP leagues, especially dynasty purposes. On the clock now, we got the New York Giants. There is one place the Giants go here, in my opinion, that's Isaiah Simmons. I don't know how you would pass on this guy. He's a freak. 6'4", 238, ran a 4.39 on the 40-yard dash. He was absolutely 100% phenomenal in LSU. This guy comes in. He instantly changes your defense with the Giants desperately, desperately need as they were one of the worst defenses in the league last year. So to me, this is a no-brainer. It has to be Isaiah Simmons. It can't be anybody else. You have to get him in there. You have to let him anchor that defense. You have to let him be the captain, run the show, and be able to change them around all in one season. And he has the ability to do that. One of the few that do have the ability to do that. So I love Isaiah Simmons here. I 100% expect them to stay at their pick at number four and take him there because he can completely change a defense around. Now, does his presence alone suddenly make the Giants a fantasy-worthy defense? The answer to that is no. They still have holes all over the place in the secondary. You're still going to be able to run on them. They still don't have a great defensive line. They're still trying to make the transition of whether they're going to be a 3-4, 4-3, a hybrid. We don't really know the case yet. Uh, most likely, they're going to be staying a 34 hybrid type of defense, which I still don't think really fits their personnel all that well. But Isaiah Simmons himself, you play in IDP leagues, play in Dynasty leagues, where they have linebackers. This is the next great linebacker. This is the next great superstar of that position. So 100%, I'm good with you taking him there. Now, the Miami Dolphins. I think for them, this would be a dream come true. I know there's been some talk here and there about them possibly looking at Justin Herbert more so than Tua Tagovailoa, only because of the injury thing that everyone's questioning about, which I don't understand because every time you read about the doctors who are heavily involved in Tua Tagovailoa's rehab, they have all come out and said that he is healthy, that if he could actually do football activities right now. If we had OTAs after the draft next week, he would be allowed to 100% participate in them. If that's truly the case, and from what we've seen in the videos, I'm not understanding why people are still like, ooh, Tua Tagovailoa, I don't know how healthy he is, blah, 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 blah. We've been told this since March from multiple doctors at this point. I don't know what the hangup is other than teams are... Some analysts are just looking for things to talk about when it comes to Tua Tagovailoa, and some teams are are scared to make that mistake. And we've heard some talk about, are the Dolphins, they would love Joe Burrow, they'd love to find a way. I don't think they make that trade. I don't see the Cincinnati Bengals doing that. I, unless they were to offer them all three of their first-round picks in the first round and a second-round pick, I don't see the Cincinnati Bengals pulling the trigger on the trade for number one. So I think Joe Burrow is not is not in the question. So let's throw some cold water on that noise right there. Tua Tagovailoa is so much better than Justin Herbert. And we're going to talk about him in a minute because that's why I have him going to the Chargers. But he's so much better than Justin Herbert. has such a higher ceiling. Really could be that franchise guy. And if you're the Miami Dolphins, you already set this offense up to 
go into the season with Ryan Fitzpatrick as your starter. So if you want to attack Lavoa to be registered for this season, or at least for a time, not be the starter week one, you've already set yourself up in that position, regardless of who you wind up with as a quarterback in this draft, to do that anyway. That was why you hired Chan Gailey as your offensive coordinator in the first place, because you tr- you already made a commitment that Ryan Fitzpatrick, at least for week one, will be our starting quarterback. That was why you made that hire. That was the whole reason why you moved on from O'Shea. So this idea that you're not in position to take Tua and an if you have to register him for a year, if you think that's the best thing to do for him for a healthy standpoint, from a development standpoint, whatever the case may be, you are absolutely 100% in position to do that. Now, as far as Tua falling to them at five, I think this would be a dream come true. If they could have a guy like Tua fall to them at five without having to move up, I think that's 100% what the Dolphins would love to have happen. But I do think there's going to be that fear that somebody's going to jump in front of them. Somebody's going to make a deal with Detroit and be able to move into number three and kind of swipe him out from under. We will see what happens. But if no trades were to happen, this is a real chance here, given that the Giants are going to be looking for quarterback. I don't believe the Detroit's really going to take a quarterback. I don't believe the Redskins are going to take a quarterback. This really is a chance that if no trades were made, Tua could fall just fall to them at five here, but we'll see what happens next week during the draft. As far as a fantasy perspective, I love Tua going to Miami. Whether it's redraft leagues, no. I don't know how much he's going to play this year, if at all, and we're we're probably not going to see too much of Tua. If anything, maybe if he starts halfway through the year, in the second half of the year, maybe because of his mobility, he winds up making himself a streaming option. That would be the absolute most as far as a redraft league goes. But for dynasty purposes, if Devontae Parker is there long-term, you have Preston Williams. I believe you have two young superstar perimeter wide receivers already on that team. Jordan Howard's a nice little addition. You have multiple draft picks. I think that this team's going to be drafting another running back in the first round who will have featured capability down the road at some point as well. You have some nice pieces. I do like Chan Gilly. What he does as an offensive coordinator, he likes to open it up. He likes to get it down the field. So I do like a lot of things in place here for Tua and what his presence could mean for all those guys around, including Mike Isicki, who I do believe is a better tight end than what we have seen so far out of him as far as the production standpoint go. So I love the fit here for his dynasty value. But like I said, for redraft leagues, Tua is just not somebody in a situation that I think we're really going to be looking at as a real factor here. Now, leading up to this, we go to the Chargers. And the Chargers, yes, I have them taking Justin Herbert. I personally, and I've been very, very vocal about this through this entire draft process if you've been, if you've been listening to this show at all. And that is Justin Herbert to me is 100% going to be the biggest bust of the 2020 draft. 100 percent uh first of all i refute that he has a cannon arm because he doesn't he might be able to throw it a mile down the middle of the field but a lot of quarterbacks can throw it a mile down the middle of the field especially when you're six six and you have a higher release point than everybody else when i look for arm strength there's a difference between having a strong arm and having arm strength having a strong arm means you can take a ball you can take an object whatever the case may be you can throw it farther than the next person that's having a strong arm Arm strength is being able to control that strong arm and being able to do what you want with it. So when I look for arm strength, which is much more important when you're talking about an NFL starting quarterback, I'm looking for a guy who can throw the ball 25 yards down the field outside the numbers on a dime with velocity. Justin Herbert can't do that and definitely can't, at the very least, can't do it consistently. And I would say it's 50-50 to less than 50-50% that he's ever able to do it. When you watch film, and I broke down film on this guy before, what you have seen is out of him, he does not, he is unable, incapable of being able to consistently hit that guy outside the numbers on the backside shoulder. A lot of times, what happens is his throw winds up being low and away a lot of the time. I don't trust him. I don't trust his consistency in general. I don't think this is a guy who can read 
defenses very well. You're coming from an Oregon system that made it very, very easy for him to be able to read defenses because of the system that they play. Not to mention playing out there in the West, playing in the pack. You're not playing against anybody who has a good defense to begin with. So I don't get this idea. I don't get this love for Justin Herbert. Yes, he's a little bit mobile, but to me, he is one of the bigger projects of this NFL draft. Now, if you were to tell me that Justin Herbert will be benched for the next two seasons and develop and learn, I would say in that point, maybe he has a chance. Maybe he has a chance to become something. But otherwise, I think this guy's going to be a bust because he's going to be asked to play earlier than he should. Now, with the Chargers, they actually are in a position where they do take Justin Herbert. They could bench him for a year. They could maybe bench him for two. Anthony Lynn just came out and said that he not only is he on board with Tyrod Taylor being their starting quarterback, but he's on board with him being a starting quarterback past this season so they maybe could be in a position and also if you follow that line of dialogue may may bring you to the thought process that they might be looking to not even bother taking quarterback in the first round if that's truly how you feel but I do think that if Justin Herbert is there it does to me seem more likely that the Chargers will draft him there now next pick we want to talk about Carolina Panthers this is going to be a team in the position where they have a lot of holes they need to be able to fill but for the most part in free agency they have locked down what their offense is going to be, right? They signed Teddy Bridgewater. They just extended Christian McCaffrey to a nice contract deal. They signed Robbie Anderson. They still have DJ Morker, Samuel in place. Ian Thomas is the guy who's going to be the tight end uh, moving forward. So their offense is pretty much set to go. You want to make some improvements along that offensive line, but they got to address the defense. After Luke Keekley leaving, their defensive line, which is normally the strength of that team, was not as strong last year. To me, it becomes a no-brainer that they're going to go with Derrick Brown in this situation. And I don't even have another option where I think they might go with somebody else. Some of these picks you see, uh, con- you see consensus things that we'll get into where it might be multiple guys. To me, this is a no-brainer. Derrick Brown, 6'5", 326. He can be a true defensive line anchor in the middle of that field I love him quite a bit he's going to fit that team really well Uh, there's still a lot of things that they need to do on the secondary aspect of things there's still a lot of things that they're going to need to do with their linebackers with their pass rush for this defense to be a defense that I will look to in fantasy other than when they're playing a really crappy offense on a streaming week Uh, but this is not a defense that I'm going to be drafting even with the addition of Derek Brown but that would send them off uh, in the right direction I 100% believe now on the clock We have the Arizona Cardinals. Now that they made that trade for DeAndre Hopkins, what we have here is a situation that they have one thing that they need to improve, and that's the offensive line. And look, I've kind of said this since the DeAndre Hopkins trade was made, that I truly wholeheartedly believe that they might look to actually go the other direction in a sense of they may look to... Go back to what Cliff Kingsbury wanted to do early on in the season, which was he wanted to be able to run his four receiver set. He wanted to be able to run his spread system that he had in college. That's what he wanted to do. And that's what I think I expect him to try to get back to or at least try to open up the possibility of being able to do. And in order to do that, you're going to need offensive line protection because remember, the biggest thing that they had to go to 12-man personnel in the later half of the season wasn't just because they didn't have enough talented wide receivers due to injury or because their wide receivers in, in the first place weren't that talented to begin with. Uh, and were a lot of rookies who need a lot of development time before they can be something, and he just put too much emphasis on being able to throw Larry Fitzgerald surrounded by a bunch of second- and rookie-year players. It was also because their offensive line was horrible. They could not protect Kyler Murray in order to run his spread system that he wanted to be able to run. So that's what you do here. You get Tristan Wirfs. He's the best athlete 
of this draft class when it comes to the offensive tackles. He's going to be a great guy that you can use on pulls. If you want to go your 12-man personnel when you want to be able to run the football, which was effective for them at the end of last season with Kenyon Drake, he's going to be a guy who's going to be able to hold up athletically against some of the better pass rushers in this in this league. So those are all things that tri- that Tristan Wirfs going to be able to bring to the table. To me, it's hands down has to be him. The other guy that I have on here that I see a lot for them would be Andrew Thomas, who from a fundamental polish standpoint is probably more NFL ready. But Tristan Wirfs just to me has the highest ceiling of any of the offensive linemen, especially when it comes to pass pro, which is what the Arizona Cardinals are going to be the most uh, worried about in this instance with what they want to really want to be able to do on offense. This will be a big... Now, if DJ Humphreys can actually stay healthy, which I don't believe that he will, which is also why I don't understand why they gave him the contract extension to begin with, I do think that this will turn into a pretty good offensive line if you can add Tristan Wirfs to a healthy DJ Humphreys, especially when it comes to pass protection. But I wouldn't hold my breath on DJ Humphreys being able to be healthy. But this would go a long way in opening things up for Kyler Murray. This would go a long way in them getting back to being more of a four wide receiver vertical spread type of team, which is really what Cliff Kingsbury wants to be. And we're going to talk about at a later date what I think that might mean for Kenyon Drake down the road and why, while I love Kenyon Drake, may not be as excited about him as a lot of other people are. But before we get into our next picks, I do want to talk about our sponsor, my bookie. With my bookie, you can always bet on anything out there at all, even with there not being a lot of sports. You can bet on the presidential nomination. You can bet on the Democratic nomination. You can bet on anything and everything out there. All you have to do is go to my bookie, do the promo code Belly Up Sports or Belly Up. I'm sorry, and do. Uh, 50% deposit bonus when you do the promo code belly up. So make sure you go ahead and check out my bookie. That's mybookie.ag. Make sure you do the promo code belly up and you will get a 50% deposit bonus when you sign up today. So don't miss out on that. Now moving on here on the clock at number nine, we got the Jacksonville Jaguars and this is another team that I believe they do need to look at offensive line. I think if Tristan Wirfs is there, I think that's definitely somebody that they need to be able to take a look at. But I do think at the end of the day, because of the losses that they have sustained on defense, because of where they're going to need to build that team, I believe they're going to go Javon Canal. And there's another guy, kind of like Derek Brown, he should be an anchor in the middle of that defensive line. 6'5", 324. He didn't participate in the combine. But this is a guy, he's not as much of a penetrator as Derek Brown is. He's not quite on that level, but he is a guy who can come in and be an anchor and they need somebody to have some kind of presence. While they lose Calais Campbell, while they lose A.J. Boye, where they had a lot of losses to that defense in general, even with those guys, this defense was not very good against the run last year. You bring in Ken Law, he's going to be a guy who's going to be able to help boost that and be able to get you at least in the right direction, being able to not be a laughing stock when you have to go up against Derrick Henry and he just runs over you for 200 yards every time. He's going to help a lot with that. So that's where I expect the Jacksonville Jaguars to go with that pick. Fantasy side of that, while Ken Law's not a big penetrator, I don't think he's going to get a lot of sacks. So for IDP, I don't know how valuable he's really going to be. And his presence alone does not make Jacksonville defense that it was from two seasons ago when they were number one defense. So I, this is, I'm going to be staying away from Jacksonville Jaguar defense entirely, even with this pickup uh, by them. So moving on to number 10, we have the Cleveland Browns on the clock. And with the Cleveland Browns, I have them selecting the 
My second favorite offensive lineman of this draft, Makai Becton. 6'7", 364, absolute monster. The biggest thing about him is at that size, he still ran a 5'140". He's still athletic as hell. Now, there's some fundamental things that he has to go over. He's got to get better on some techniques. But his natural, raw ability makes him such an intriguing prospect when you're at number 10. And the number one thing the Cleveland Browns need to do is address their offensive line. And the number one thing on that offensive line they need to address is an offensive tackle. And that's what Becton comes in. If you're going to run that Kevin Stefanski system and you're going to be running that zone scheme, you need Becton to come in. You need him to dominate that offensive line, give you those rushing lanes for Nick Chubb, and be able to work the play action off of that. He does that on an instance. Look, if the Cleveland Browns are smart and they keep OBJ, and I, I would not be trading him away if I'm the Cleveland Browns, I truly wholeheartedly believe that this offense might do what you expected it to do last season. This is a much better offensive system for the personnel that they have. It's a much better efficient system for what they have. And that's where I expect them to really rebound under Kevin Stefanski. When Kevin Stefanski was first hired, I wasn't really a fan of it. I felt this was a guy who was really just got hired to be a head coach off the coattails of Gary Kubiak, which is really whose system they were running last year, even though Stefanski was the one calling the plays. I was all Kubiak's fingerprints all over it. But if he's going to bring in that same formula, which I think by the addition of Austin Hooper tells me he's definitely going to do that because he's going to look to go more two tight end sets with Hooper and Najoku and Beckham and, and Landry, which is why at the end of the day, I don't believe they are actually going to trade Beckham away because I just think it would be stupid to do that. When you have Nick Chubb and you have Kareem Hunt, all that's left for you is to do is to tackle that offensive line. I think the Cleveland Browns could be well on their way to rebounding and having the fantasy season that we all expected them last year, which includes for Baker, for Chubb, for Hunt, for Beckham, for for uh, for Landry there, and even to Austin Hooper. The only guy I think really winds up being the odd man out is David Njoku, who's just going to be there as a secondary tight end. He's not going to be a fantasy-relevant player, I believe, but... Uh, we're going to get into more about those guys later on as we get closer to the season as well, but I really like this move and what it could mean for the Cleveland Browns. Now, New York Jets. This is where things get interesting. This is where things open up a little bit more because there's multiple places that they could go. They could very easily go wide receiver. They could go Jerry Judy here, which is the other pick that I would have them go for. But because Adam Gase is the head coach, and I don't think Adam Gase really believes in skill player talent and true skill player talent, I think he just believes in his system and what he could do if he executes properly. One of those guys. I believe they're going to go offensive line. Look, it was it was horrendous last year. It needs improvement. They have to attack it. Jed Willis is looked at as one of the better pass blockers, better polished pass blockers of this draft class. They need to address that offensive line in a big way. He's also a pretty decent run blocker. They have to get better up there. If if you're going to give the ball to Le'Veon Bell 300 times, which I do think they probably have a pretty good chance they're going to do that again this year, you at least have to give him a chance to get some running room, a chance to do something. And Jed Willis has the athletic ability to be a guy to be out there on screens and get that set up on draws and whatnot. So I do think they're going to go offensive line here because I don't think Adam Gase believes he needs a first-round talented wide receiver to be able to do what he wants to do on offense. So I don't think that's the route they're going to go. I think they're going to wait till the second round to go wide receiver and take an offensive lineman here, which... I will say in his defense, in that line of thinking, 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. The offensive line class is much more top heavy than this wide receiver. You can still find a decent wide receiver in the second round here. But as far as the offensive linemen go, once you get outside the top four, there's definitely a big drop off after that point. But because he's Adam Gase, I believe they are going to go offensive tackle here. Is it going to change things significantly? Mm, Probably not, but it will help. Uh, some areas with Le'Veon Bell, it will help some areas with keeping Sam Darnold upright. It is a need that they need to be able to make and improve upon. Now, for our next team, though, at 12 is the Oakland Raiders. This opens up the prime position, right? If the Raiders fall here at 12 and Dre Judy is available to them, I think this would be Mike Mayock's wet dream that he has been looking for. And as of recently, it was already talking about the fact that they need to improve at the wide receiver position. There's absolutely no doubt about that. I don't think anybody would disagree with that point. So this is why I am saying that I believe they will definitely go Jerry Judy. Remember, Antonio Brown was supposed to be that type of wide receiver. He's supposed to be their guy that go inside, outside. He's supposed to be their number one target guy who could be that route runner and kind of open things up with what John Gruden wants to do with his West Coast style offense. And Jerry Judy fits that to the T. Everything you would want Antonio Brown to do, Jerry Judy can do because he can line up inside, outside. He is the best route runner in this draft class. He has great hands. He has the four four five speed. He has everything you are looking for. And he's a perfect complement to Tyrell Williams who can go back to doing what he does best, which is be vertical and be that big jump ball type of wide receiver and do what, frankly, what they signed him to do in the first place, not what he had to become a season ago. And then you have guys like Hunter Renfro. You have guys like Darren Waller. You have guys like Josh Jacobs and Jalen Richard. And all of a sudden, this is an offense that has some promise, that has some capabilities if you add Jerry Judy to it. Now, if Judy's not there, I 100% believe that they would go CD Lamb with this pick. But in this scenario, with the Jets taking Jed Willis and not going wide receiver, I have Jerry Judy falling to them, and I believe he would be a great fit. And in that system, it would not surprise me, even as a rookie, if Judy was the number one target or close to it. Wouldn't surprise me at all uh, when it comes to the Oakland Raiders. So I do believe that not just we're not just talking about dynasty. I do believe wholeheartedly we're talking about a guy who's going to be in position to be able to give you redraft value, especially PPR leagues, heading into this season. Now for our next pick that we want to talk about, the San Francisco 49ers. <clears throat> my team, my guys. This would also be a dream scenario for them. Excuse me. This would also be a dream scenario for them. Because if Jerry Judy falls to the Raiders at 12, then CD Lamb should be available at 13. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, 
That's exactly what they're looking for. Of the two receivers, CeeDee Lamb is the more perimeter type of wide receiver. He is that guy who he can he can line up inside outside too. He runs good routes, but he is more of an aggressive, physical style wide receiver on the perimeter. A guy who can make great backdoor catches. A guy who can go up and high point the ball. A guy who's great after the catch. A guy who's really made to be a true West Coast wide receiver. And that's what Kyle Shanahan is looking for right now on the perimeter. You have Debo Samuel who can line up as primarily your slot guy, your 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 movable piece, end arounds, get him in, in mismatches. But you need a perimeter guy. You have George Kale in the middle. You need a perimeter guy. You need a guy to solidify the outside. A guy who also is willing to block because you want your wide receivers in this outside zone running scheme to be able to block. C.D. Lamb can do that. And in this situation, you want to keep that defense from being able to not be able to just funnel the middle of the field, which is something that teams are going to be doing against Kyle Shanahan eventually. It happened to his dad eventually. That's where things kind of went downhill. That's how you kind of attack the Shanahan system. Now, this is a little bit of an improvement on that that we've seen with Kyle Shanahan and his scheme calling, but it's still the same fundamental concept, which is they attack the intermediate middle part of the field. You need that, you need that perimeter presence to keep that from happening, from defense to be able to just take that away, take away your bread and butter. CeeDee Lamb provides that. So this would be a great situation if he falls to them at 13. I believe this is the draft position that they will go. Now, other guys have been talked about here. If Lamb's off the board already, people have talked about Henry Ruggs. People have talked about Javon Kinlaw in this situation. I don't see any of that. If CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy are not here at this pick, I full-heartedly believe that the 49ers will trade back this pick at 13. They're going to trade back one of their first two first rounds because they don't have another pick again to the fifth round. So whether it's a 31 or as a 13, they're going to trade back one of them. I believe if Jerry Jeter, CD Lamb aren't here on the board in this position, that they would gladly just trade back, maybe still keep two first round picks this year, pick up a couple extra picks between the second and the fourth round and do it that way and go get somebody else later on because that's why I think they're targeting in this situation. I don't think they're really looking for a defensive line. I don't think they're going to take C.J. Henderson this high. I don't think they consider Henry Ruggs to be a guy that they can take here either. I don't think he's the type of wide receiver that they're truly looking for. Could they use the speed? Yes, absolutely they could use the speed. But I don't believe that Henry Ruggs is somebody who really fits exactly what they're looking for because he's not just a, he's not a, he's a guy that he wanted, you want to use him as a weapon. You want to use him as a guy you line up on the perimeter or the inside or use him as the movable piece. Use him as the mismatch guy. They already have that. They already have that there in, uh, I'm losing my train of thought, in Debo Samuel. So that's why I don't think it's going to be Henry Ruggs at the end of the day. So that's something I think we have to take, kind of take into consideration there. But, Moving on, Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the clock. We have Andrew Thomas, right? Now, Andrew Thomas is probably the best fundamental pass rusher that are on this draft class, right? He is the guy who's polished. He's the guy who's NFL ready. He is the guy who's going to be able to come in here day one and be able to anchor down that offensive line. And right now, with the addition of Tom Brady, that is the direction that they have to go. There's no doubt about it. They, you have to be able to protect him. That offensive line had all kind of issues last year. I fully expect them to go offensive line in this case. And in this situation, I think Andrew Thomas is actually the guy that they would want the most. Why? Because Andrew Thomas is NFL ready day one. There's not going to be a lot of development that you have to go with here. He's going to be a guy you're going to be able to bring in, start him day one, and know that you're going to have Tom Brady protected much better. Now, 
as far as what this does for a fantasy purpose, this opens up everything because you know Tom Brady has more time to throw. Then he can have the season that everybody's hoping that he has. He can have the he can get the ball to Mike Evans to Chris Godwin. He can get the ball to OJ Howard. He can get the ball to Cameron Brait. And this will even help guys with whoever they wind up with in the backfield if it is going to be Ronald Jones or if they draft somebody to complement with him as well. So this goes a long way in providing the opportunity for the fantasy purposes that people are looking for in the first place. Not a lot else to talk about on that pick. So on the clock, the Denver Broncos at 15. Or I'm I'm sorry, at 16. Or no, 15. I'm right, 15. I think they go Henry Ruggs. You need a compliment to Cortland Sutton. Henry Ruggs would be a perfect compliment to Cortland Sutton because with his speed, with his dynamic ability, he's going to be able to take the top off the defense. He's going to make that safety have to pay attention to him, which means they are not going to be able to double cover Cortland Sutton. You can't double cover Cortland Sutton. That opens everything up. And for all the issues the Denver Broncos have right now with who's going to be the future of that quarterback position, is it going to be Drew Locke? Are they really sold on him? There's a lot of information back and forth that would suggest that maybe they're not. Maybe they're not. But what it would open up is everything else for them. This would help Drew Locke. It would help whatever the quarterback situation would be. They need to have that speedster down the field. If you pair him up with Noah Fant, who can also stretch the field from the seam, all of a sudden, this is an explosive offense that you have on your hands if you can get the quarterback position filled out. And you even sign Melvin Gordon there to pair up with Philip Lindsay. This is an offense that has a lot of talent and could be one of the top end scoring offenses if their quarterback position can play well, which is why I think you take Henry Ruggs here and you figure out the quarterback position later because you're going to have all the tools, whether it's him developing or somebody else down the road. So I love Henry Ruggs there for the Denver Broncos. Some of the other picks that I've seen, Javon Kinlaw, if he's still there, has been a popular one, but I do believe Henry Ruggs will be there and Henry Ruggs will be the pick as well. Number 16, the Falcons. A lot of talk lately about the Atlanta Falcons and them trying to trade back. And that very well may be the case. But if they do not, the guy I have them taking is Clavon Chason. And Chason is probably the best pure pass rusher in this draft class. Now, he's not going to be a guy that I believe you can play a lot of first and second down work because he's not a guy that I want to have out there if the team's going to run the football because he's going to get blown off. He's going to get blown off the ball. He doesn't have the strength in his base. I believe to consistently be able to take on blockers, shed them, and make the play. It's, it's not his game. He's a guy, especially early on. Now, later on, develops into, we'll see what happens. But this is a guy right off the bat. He's going to come in. He's going to be able to play that Vic Beasley role. Because Vic Beasley wasn't anybody who can stop the run either. But you brought him in. He could be your pass rusher. They need that. Now that you don't have Vic Beasley on the team, the Falcons have no source of pass rushing anywhere on the field. Anywhere. So you need that out of them. Then Chase on would make the most sense to me because he is that guy. Now, what does he do for fantasy purposes for this defense? Absolutely nothing. Did this defense play a lot better when they made all those coaching switches? Yeah, they did. But they've also lost some talent since then. They let go of Trufant. They let go of Vic Beasley. There's a lot of question marks. There's still a lot to be had. Can you stay healthy? Guys like Jones, who I love. Neil, who I love. But can they stay healthy? We haven't seen it. So I don't think the Falcons' defense is the defense I'm going to be looking for. Maybe if they prove themselves, they could become streaming worthy, but it's not a defense that even with the addition of Chase on would make them somebody to uh, fall in love with. Before we move on to the next pick, I do want to talk to you guys about one of our sponsors, Fanatics. And they're one of the great new sponsors that we have. They are the number one fan sports apparel and memorabilia store in the world. Get access to all available discounts by clicking on the link from the MD's Fantasy Football Show on our post on social media. You can go to at 
MDSFF Show on Twitter or at MDFF Show on Facebook and click the link for the Fanatics posts today. Make sure you go ahead and check them out. They have a lot of great stuff there. On the clock now at number 17, we got the Dallas Cowboys taking what would be their wet dream in CJ Henderson. Cornerback, second best cornerback, maybe could arguably be the best pure cover quarterback. Is he going to give you a lot in the run support? No, he's not going to tackle. But how often do you really need a corner to be a guy who can tackle for you? I don't think it's that often. And in this situation here, after losing Byron Jones, the free agency, the only real hole that they have on that defense, because they've done a great job solidifying the front seven of it, would be the defensive back position, would be the cornerback position. Getting C.J. Henderson, who ran a 4-3-9, there's nobody who's going to be able to smoke him who's a great cover guy, he would be a great addition to this defense and one that they're looking for. And his addition to this defense, I believe, will make the Cowboys a top 10 fantasy defense heading into the season. So this is a fantasy implication here. <coughs> Excuse me again. This is a fantasy implication here. This is somebody who I think could take a defense and make them fantasy relevant. Cowboys will be a defense that won't be drafted the 16th round, if at all. They will be on that cusp of sleeper or just letting go to the waiver wire. And I'm telling you, the addition of CJ Anderson here will make them a top 10 defense. Now, there's some other positions that they could go. There's some other directions that people have them going at. Uh, I'm getting a list here up in front of me now as we speak. And... Kristen Fulton, another cornerback. If C.J. Henderson was already off the board in that scenario, they'll probably still stick with the cornerback position and go Kristen Fulton there. Or I could see if Chason isn't off the board, if he doesn't go to the 16 at the Falcons, I could see him going that direction, adding a pass rusher uh, as well. So those are other places I could see them going. But in this scenario where C.J. Henderson's available, I think they run to their screen, to their virtual reality, whatever it is they're drafting from, and that is who they wind up going with is C.J. Henderson on the board. The Miami Dolphins at 18, their second first-round draft pick, assuming they don't trade anything away. And I believe it's going to be DeAndre Swift. Staying with the offense, you got two to tackle the at number five. Now, all of a sudden, you get DeAndre Swift, perfect complement for now to Jordan Howard. You brought in Jordan Howard. He can be your, your first and your second down guy. He can be your goal line guy. He's very, very good in those rushing situations. DeAndre Swift is the best pass-catching running back in this draft class. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And with DeAndre Swift, you get a guy who has a future of of possibly being a feature type of back. He's 5'9", 215, not the biggest guy in the world, but he's compact. He's muscular. I've compared him to Devontae Freeman before. He reminds me a lot of the way Devontae Freeman likes to run, but I think he's a little bit faster. Ran 4'4", 8, and 40. He has a little bit more quickness to him. I think this is a guy who could be a featured guy. Now, can he be a featured guy for five years getting 300-plus touches? Probably not. But I do think he's going to have a year or two, if you're talking dynasty purposes, where he will be a guy who can get you 275. Maybe he'll get you a year where he gets 300 touches between his receptions and his carries. He's a little bit more compact. I do think he'll spend most of his career with somebody as a compliment to him to some degree. But I do think this is a guy who could be a number one three-down running back. He can do it all. He's a great pass catcher. He is somebody, if he goes to the Miami Dolphins here, he may have streamability redraft valued because Jordan Howard is there because he'll still be worked in mostly on the goal line situations, mostly on first down runs and stuff like that. I don't know how much you're going to be able to use DeAndre Swift on a week to week basis, but if you're in PPR leagues, 
he is somebody who's going to be very valuable in that scenario. He is somebody who might be a stream bi-weekly fill-in as a redraft, but really his value is going to be Dynasty because this is the guy who I do expect to take over that position once they move on from Jordan Howard, which may because of his injury issues that he's had over the past couple of years, we could see him in that role kind of like what we saw happen with Miles Sanders last year. That's very much in the realm of possibility. He's somebody who I think should be drafted in redraft leagues. If you're looking at that, if you're looking at that draft area, if you're going to take Jordan Howard, I think it would be wise to take DeAndre Swift later on. He's somebody you're going to be able to get in the team rounds, absolutely. But I like his ability. I think he could take over the job possibly because he is that talented. But for now, because of the amount they paid Jordan Howard, I don't think it's as likely to happen in his rookie year. But maybe in the second year, that's when we could see that. Which is why I would make sure it's not going crazy for him in that scenario. Now. As far as the next pick goes, or as far as what his what his fantasy value goes for everybody else, Jordan Howard, nobody expected Jordan Howard to be in a position where he was going to be able to take over and be able to it was gonna it was gonna be a guy who's gonna be working on passing downs anyway. So I don't think this really affects him too much at all as far as that goes. But on the clock here, we got the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm not sure if I called them. I don't, if I called them Oakland or Las Vegas when we were talking about the 12th pick, hopefully I called them Las Vegas. Las Vegas Raiders here. Can't wait to see them play in Las Vegas, by the way. Uh, but I have them taking linebacker Patrick Queen. This move makes a lot of sense to me. Now, Patrick Queen is not my number one linebacker available. Uh, he's not. He is the type of guy that I think fits what they want to do. He has the high skill set, the the hybrid type of skills that he's going to be able to come in, play outside, play a little bit of inside. He's a very good tackler. He swarms the football. He's able to do a little bit of everything for you. He had a very good uh, combine, ran a 4-5, has the athletic ability, uh, and had the benefit of playing next to Isaiah Simmons to some degree, yes. But with with uh, uh, excuse me, with Patrick Queen here, he has that high character mold to him uh, i believe at lsu i think the same he has number 18 which number 18 they give that out as a jersey number to people who are uh high character guys looked at as leaders on the team so i i, the, I you're looking at a guy who fits the mold of what john Gruden and mike mayock have already pretty much put an emphasis on is what they're looking for is high character guys when they're looking to make these draft picks when they're looking to sign free agents so i truly believe here patrick queen will probably be the pick even though i think kenny murray who is the other possibility that I have for them, would be better. I think Kenny Murray is just somebody, we're going to talk about him in a little bit because I have him going a little bit later on, is somebody who's going to be able to, like Isaiah Zim, is be able to come in and completely change the defense around. Patrick Queen, while he fits well with what they want to do, I don't believe he's the guy who's going to be able to completely change the situation that they have over there for the Raiders and make them suddenly a fantasy role of the defense. That is not going to happen. But I do like him for dynasty purposes. I do think this guy is going to be a very good linebacker. I don't think he's going to be a superstar, but I think he's going to be a very good linebacker for a few years to come. Now, at number 20, the Jacksonville Jaguars with their second pick in this first round. I have them with Kristen Fulton. Uh, if they could get C.J. Henderson here, I think that would be a dream for them. I, they, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they look to move up, but I, they have to address the fact that they have no corners anymore, right? Jalen Ramsey gone, A.J. Bouye gone. You have to get somebody in there. Kristen Fulton is that next guy. He's a bigger type of guy. He's a physical guy. Uh, ran a four four six. has the speed, likes to beat you up at the perimeter. Not a great zone cover guy, so I, I will kind of question a little bit schematically how he's going to fit necessarily with Jacksonville, although they had Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye, who I think are both better man-to-man guys and made them play zone anyway, so it's not out of this realm of possibility. They might just do that regardless. Um, 
But with Kristen Fulton, I do think that he's a guy who can fit what they want to do pretty well. And also, they want that bigger physical perimeter quite a corner. He is that guy, and he is most part of the consensus is the third best corner in this league. You can get into AJ Terrell's types and some of those guys that some people have going in the first round or possibly going up this high. But I think Kristen Fulton is the way that they would go in in this uh, scenario here for Jackson Jaguars. But again, even with these additions I have them making first with Javon Kinlaw, now Kristen Fulton, this is still not going to be a defense, even with this addition that I'm going to be paying attention to for fantasy football purposes. Now, getting to a more of a fantasy football kind of conversation, we have the Philadelphia Eagles here at the pick 21. At pick 21, I have them taking Justin Jefferson. Now, he, Justin Jefferson's not my top-rated guy in this scenario. That would be T. Higgins. But I think Justin Jefferson fits more with what the Eagles are really looking for, what they, what they need, and what they're going to want to do. Uh, the reason for that is... Because in this scenario, Justin Jefferson is a guy who's 6'1", 201. I think the Eagles really need somebody who can play both inside and out. They may or may not be moving on from Alshon Jeffrey. We don't really know yet. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, can he stay healthy? We also don't know that. So I think they need somebody who's versatile, who can play a every position. Kind of like what they needed Nelson Aguilar to do, but Nelson Aguilar completely sucks. So he couldn't do it very well. Justin Jefferson does not suck. And he can play inside and out. And he surprised everybody with his 40-yard dash, his 4-4-3. He has a lot more speed than people necessarily thought, than I thought, and what I necessarily saw on tape. Well, maybe it leads you to believe that LSU just didn't put him in a position to be able to utilize that speed necessarily. So this is the guy I think they're going to go this direction because of his versatility and how many ways they can use him and being the issues that they had at the end of last year because of the injuries at that position, they need somebody who can play both inside and out for them and be available to what they may need as the season presses on. Now, as far as his his fantasy value goes, he could have some redraft value, but I think he's going to be more of that pro-typical rookie. Uh, not like a Jerry Jeter, CD Lamb, which I both think could have redraft value that you actually legitimately want to draft for. But in Justin Jefferson's case, it's going to be that rookie wide receiver where he's going to have some big games, but I don't think it's going to be on a consistent enough basis. We're really going to be able to play him week to week. I don't think this is a guy that we're going to be looking at as somebody we need to draft in redraft leagues. <clears throat> in dynasty leagues, however... I do like him a lot. He's going to be the if he goes to the Philadelphia Eagles, it's only a matter of time before he is the number one wide receiver of that team. It could happen in his rookie season because of injuries to Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, which is very possible. It could happen then. But even if it doesn't, by year two, I expect him to be the number one target. I love Carson Wentz. I love their offensive scheme. So this is definitely a guy you want to take for dynasty purposes. He's going to have some great value for you, and I think he is a very good, talented wide receiver. I don't think he's a superstar necessarily, but I think he's going to be a guy who could be highly productive on a team that's conducive for fantasy purposes for wide receivers as well. So that's why I definitely want to look at him for, uh, for dynasty leagues, especially going into this season. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. 
go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. On the clock now, we got the Minnesota Vikings. I don't really have it up there for some reason, but Minnesota Vikings on the clock. I have them taking safety Xavier McKinney. This is a pretty common pick uh, for them here at 22. There's some talk about them trading around. Maybe they want to make sure they get the wide receiver they want. So maybe they go wide receiver here with this pick, but they do have a first round pick a few rounds later, a few picks later. I think they just want to lock up their safety position. I think the idea is that they are still very much looking to move on from Anthony Harris because they don't really want to pay him the franchise tag. They don't plan on getting a long-term contract done with him. I think you bring in Xavier McKinney. You pair him up with Harrison Smith for now. Let him learn with Harrison Smith. And I think that he his skill set is very much Anthony Harris-like for what they're looking for in that defense. He can do a little bit of everything. He can play a little bit of center field. He can play up in the box. He's a little bit versatile in that way, which is the type of safeties that Mike Zimmer on the Minnesota Vikings does like to have. As far as fantasy purposes, I don't think he changes the landscape for the Minnesota defense any more than they already were. They are already a defense that I was looking at as a it definitely fantasy top 10 draftable defense you're going to look for anyway. Mike Zimmer defenses usually are. Uh, so I don't think this changes that in any kind of way. But I think this is the pick that they make because they will look to try to move on from Anthony Harris here uh, sometime in the near future, if not right before the draft, because it very much could be a, a pick him traded during this draft process would make a lot of sense as well. <clears throat> Next thing I want to talk about is the New England Patriots. This one was hard for me because in my heart of hearts, I don't think they're going to go Jordan Love here uh, at, at 23, but there seems to be more and more people talking about they do like him quite a bit. There seems to be more and more people talking about the fact that the Patriots are looking to go quarterback in the first round. And there's been some wild accusations out there about the Patriots trading all the way up and going out and getting a guy uh, in the top 10. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Belichick likes to trade up for things, but I do think if they sit back at 23, if this draft board goes like this, you can see Jordan Love sitting there for them. I Like I said, in my heart of hearts, I don't see it because Jordan Love's not the type of quarterback they usually go after. I mean, I, Jordan, them not drafting Jordan Love's the whole reason why I don't think they're ever going to actually draft Jameis Winston, right? Because he's looking at a quarterback who's more of a gunslinger mentality type. He's going to look to make a big play. He's going to make some mistakes because of that. And, and depending on what coach you are, depending on what ph- philosophical offense you run, that, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I have less of a problem with Jameis Winston than a lot of people do. I, I, I think everyone's a little too bent out of shape over the 42 turnovers. It, it's a lot. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not, but I think they're a little too bent out of shape about him can't suddenly be an NFL starting quarterback because of it. I think that's ridiculous. I think he's had production years. He has moments he shows you where he absolutely can. Jordan Love, I like him a lot. To me, though, he is a guy that I think is a two-year developmental project because I think when it comes to reading defenses, when it comes to fundamental mechanics that I've broken down on tape on this show before, I do think this is a guy that needs, I think, two years. Not just a year, but two years to really sit and wait. And I don't know if you have that with New England Patriots. Maybe you could make you make that argument if they're, if they're okay with Jared Stidham. But Jared Stidham is a guy that if he performs well, he's a rookie guy. Uh, well, he'll be a second-year guy technically, but he hasn't played yet. He's a younger guy. You brought him Brian Hoyer to be that veteran presence that you need who's already familiar with the system. I don't know if Jordan loves a situation where he can sit for two years in the England Patriots. Now, it doesn't mean that he would sit for two years no matter what team he goes to necessarily because teams always want to see what their young quarterback has maybe earlier than they should. Uh, but that would just be my ideal situation for him. I, in my heart of hearts, don't see this happening, but all the tea leaves are telling me that we have to put in this mock draft, Jordan Love right here. Now, what would this mean for fantasy purposes? Well, I like his talent down the road. 
uh, but he's not a dig and dunk guy. So are you going to change the offense to be more run, play, action, vertical type? If you do that, then I think he fits really well because he has some mobility that he can use. I like to kill Harry. We didn't get to see a lot of him in his rookie season. So you know, I think you're on the way to having a nice little pairing between Jordan Love and Nikhil Harry right off the bat. You still need to address the tight end position. You still need to address the other wide receivers. Julian Edelman... I, even if he plays this season, how many years does he have left? Maybe just this year at this point. I, I don't know. Um, so for fantasy purposes, though, I do like Jordan Love. I, I do like what the Patriots do. They try to play to their strength of their personnel. Uh, but this isn't going to be the big flash and pan. I would much rather see, see Jordan Love wind up in a situation where he could sit another year or two, but also wind up in a situation where he could have a philosophical offense around him that's going to be to spread the ball out and go down the field because that's where he's going to excel. It's not going to be with the Patriots uh, necessarily. Now, next on the clock at number 24, we have the New Orleans Saints. Now, with the New Orleans Saints, I have them taking my second favorite linebacker, Kenneth Murray, here. Now, this guy can change a defense on a dime. 6'2", 241, he has that prototypical inside-outside linebacker uh, type size, and he also ran a 4'5'2". He's incredibly athletic. He's very strong. He can be an anchor of a defense right away, and if you put a really good middle linebacker on this defense right now with the New Orleans Saints, I think you're going to have a situation where the New Orleans Saints could possibly be a top-five defense. With the additions that they made with Malcolm Jenkins, with where they were already trending in that direction with the development of their young players last year, you put Kenny Murray in the middle of that defense with what he can do and how much I think he can change a defense with his presence alone, the Saints are going to be a fantasy relevant defense do you want to go after and I do think this is a pick that makes them to me the NFC favorites to go to the Super Bowl because there's not going to be a team in the NFC really maybe even in the NFL outside the Baltimore Ravens who's going to be more balanced on their offense and defensive side of the ball I think that's what you're looking for here I definitely have them taking Kenny Murray I would love it here and it would definitely be a fantasy relevant move for me to have to look at now before we get into our last few picks of today's mock draft and this is a longer episode, but I knew it was going to be because we had a lot to talk about. But I want to make sure you guys know that the store is open. The online store is open. The MD's Fantasy Football Show has released its official merchandise store. We have every product in the book from t-shirts to tank tops to hoodies to leggings and even outside apparel products from mugs to pillows to blankets and much more. You can boast about being the champion of your league or the commissioner or embarrass the hell out of one of your friends with a loser football t-shirt from the NMD's Fantasy Football Store for your next fantasy football event. Just go to www.teespring.com slash stores slash MDFF show today to get your products. Now, coming out of that, we have the Vikings at number 25, and this is where I have them getting their wide receiver and getting my third favorite wide receiver in this draft class and that's T. Higgins. I wish he would have been there at the NFL Combine because I would really love to see what kind of 40 he ran. If he ran a, a sub 4 or 5 40, I think we'd be talking about this guy as right up there with Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb. He has a 6 4 build. He has the wide catch radius. He's already shown the ability to line up on the inside and the outside. He's a pretty good route runner. Still needs to work on some areas there, especially in a short intermediate routes. Needs to work on making his cuts a little bit sharper, his corners a little bit sharper, but things that are typical for rookie wide receivers coming out in the draft class. I think this is a guy in Minnesota Vikings he fits perfectly for. You already have Adam Thielen who can kind of go inside out. T. Higgins can be another big body type of guy. And with Gary Kubiak being the offensive coordinator, you know that he loves to have bigger outside wide receivers because he wants them to have the ability to block. T. Higgins has that. So he's going to be able to fit very, very well with what they want to do offensively. 
Gary Kubiak also has a history of having a lot of good success with bigger type of wide receivers. And with this T Higgins, I compare him to Brandon Marshall. I think he is Brandon Marshall to a T. I think he's going to be a number one superstar wide receiver for years to come. For redraft purposes, I don't know how much of a role he has right away in his rookie season. I think he's going to have some value, but I think you're talking about a guy in a wide receiver four, more of a streamer, more of a bi-week filler here and there in his rookie season just because of what they have already in this offense with Adam Thielen and with Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith and Dalvin Cook and stuff like that. But this is a guy who I think year two, year three, dynasty purposes, this is a future superstar wide receiver, especially if he winds up on the Minnesota Vikings here, that's exactly where I would love to see him be able to go. So I love T Higgins here for that purpose. I love what he's going to be able uh, to give you and what he's going to be able to do, especially from a fantasy perspective. Now, Number 26, we got on the clock the Miami Dolphins for the third and last time of the first round. They addressed the quarterback position. They addressed the running back position. So next up for them to address would be the offensive line. They have to replace Laramie Tunsil, who they traded away. They have to get going there. They got to get some protection for their future quarterback. They got to get some run blocking ability for their future running back. Josh Jones, while I don't love him, while I think if this was actually a good offensive line class, I think you'd be talking about a guy who would be more rated in the second round because he's more of a developmental project. But he does have the talent to be a first-round type of guy, to be that kind of potential lockdown offensive tackle at some point. He has the athleticism. I like him more as a right tackle. I think he's definitely going to be a guy who'd be much better in a run-block pro. He's 6'5", 319, ran a 5'2", very strong with 24 bench reps. This is a guy who I think can come in. He's, just, he's not going to be an anchor guy. He's going to be a little bit of a liability in his rookie season even though he's going to have to play right away because of what they have at the offensive line. But in his rookie season, he's going to be a little bit of a, uh, of a liability in that sense. But what I would like to say is that if he gets a chance to develop, I do think this is a guy who has a great opportunity to really be able to anchor down that offensive line in the future to come. So that's where I think the offense go here with their 26 pick. I think it'd be the smartest thing for their offense down the road. Next up, Seattle Seahawks at pick number 27. Defensive line, that's where I have them going. Ross Blacklock, he makes a lot of sense. He's a penetrator on the interior. They need that. They need to get back to a guy that they can play in that three-point technique, the guy who's just over the guard, and be able to get some penetration in the middle of that defensive line because they don't have the same pass rush they used to. Their linebackers are a little bit older, and if they're able to get some penetration again, they might get back to how that defensive front looked early on in his years. And I think Russ Blacklock really kind of fits what they want to do. Now, he's not a guy who I think I want to play all the time. I would want to play him more in passing down situations than not. Um, I don't know how many times I want to play him against a run. He is a guy who kind of gets blown off the line of scrimmage sometimes at that because he is 6'3", 290. He stands a little bit high. If he gets to work on his ability of being a little bit more center gravity and being able to get through the line of scrimmage and being a little bit lower on that, I do think we're talking about a guy who could very well uh, become become a f- X factor on a defensive line. But he's never going to be an anchor. He's not built to be that, but he's a good complement piece here. And I think somebody that fits what the Seattle Seahawks need to do. Does he change anything for you for fantasy purpose? No, not really when it comes to Seattle defense. I think you're talking about a milling of the pack defense. I don't think the addition of Ross Blacklock really changes that in any kind of way. So we want to move on here to the Baltimore Ravens. They are on the clock here at number pick 28. They could go wide receiver here, right? Because they could definitely use a compliment to Marquise Brown. I, I, I like Miles Boykin, but I don't think he's the future starter for this team. Uh, so I could see them going wide receiver here. 
But what I will say is that I think because we have seen them address the defensive line so aggressively this offseason, and they even wanted to address it further but didn't get a chance to, I think they're still looking for more pass rushers. And that's why I have them going with defensive end Uter Gross Matos here. 6'5", 266. Uh, we didn't get to see him run the 40, but he is a strong defensive end. And he has shown good production as a pass rusher uh, in the past. So I do think this is a direction that they could go. They have made it clear they want to solidify that front seven, make it more of a run-stopping defense. Uh, it was pretty much their only real weakness last season and get more of a pass rush. I think he can come in and fill that role. He doesn't have to start right away. He can kind of come in and be a specialist for you, kind of help him develop. I do think that's the direction they're going to go. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they went, let's say in this instance, with a Denzel Mims here, got another big bodied, fast wide receiver to add that other side. That's another direction where I could see them go. It wouldn't surprise me if they went Andrew Jackson here and trying to fill in some of the offensive line because that's a guy who can play the guard or play a tackle position. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought him in there because you still need to bolster that offensive line losing Yonda. But I do think at the end of the day, they're going to stick with the defensive line. They're going to stick with getting another pass rush, and that's why I have them going gross matos there at 28. Now, at pick 29 with the Tennessee Titans... I have them going Austin Jackson. I think I said Andrew Jackson before I meant Austin Jackson. Austin Jackson is a guy who definitely should be a second rounder. He is a guy who I think at the end of the day grades out to be more of a guard than a tackle. But because they lost Jack Conklin and because they have not replaced him in any real way, you bring in Austin Jackson who's better at run blocking so he can theoretically fill in what you lost out of Jack Conklin. You need that with Derrick Henry. You know what this team's going to be. It's it's Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill playing off of that as a compliment. <coughs> Can't get the frog out of my throat, people. Sorry. Um, so you bring in Austin Jackson, who I think eventually does switch over to guard, but because of what he brings you as a run blocker, can be a guy who can come in and be able to move the line of scrimmage, be able to stick within that run power scheme. So while I would rather have this guy in the second round, given the drop-off in the offensive line when you get into the second round, when you get after Austin Jackson, and being what they need, I do think this is the direction that they go in. Does it change anything from a fantasy perspective? No. At best, it keeps the values the same of what you thought about Derrick Henry, what you thought about Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown and those guys already to begin with. So let's move on to the Packers here who are on the clock at number 30. More of a fantasy implication here with them. And with Denzel Mims, he has got to be one of my favorite, not as talked about as much wide receivers. 6'3", 207, ran a four three eight. He runs better routes than people want to give him credit for. And it drives me absolutely crazy. This is a guy who runs pretty good sharp out patterns, who runs pretty good sharp intermediate patterns. Does he have some things he needs to work on? Does he need to learn how to drop his center of mass to really be able to make a sharper cut? Yeah, but it's not anything. I think he's pretty much on the same level as T. Higgins is when it comes to route running ability, but has more of that explosive X factor. This is a guy who I think is going to have redraft value for you at the wide receiver position. This is a guy, especially if he goes to the Green Bay Packers, you can imagine him being the compliment to Devontae Adams with Aaron Rodgers as quarterback, what he's going to be able to do down the field for this team. That's the big factor. That's the big factor. He is a guy who can come in and give you a Martavius Bryant type of rookie fantasy season. So he's definitely somebody who I think is going to be redraft capable that you're going to want to have. He is definitely somebody who I think could right away come in and you could see him light everything up, light it all up. Especially in this situation, as a compliment to Devontae Adams. I love the fit here. I love to be able to do. And if you, if the Packers can't sign Devontae Adams, they want to move on for him, whatever the case may be. 
Denzel Mims, can, I think, has all the capability of being a number one superstar wide receiver in this league. Not that that's what they were going to do, but as a compliment to Devontae Adams, he's perfect. He would have redraft value along with dynasty value. And I think he could also boost the value greatly for Aaron Rodgers to get back into the top five of fantasy quarterbacks and get back to what we all have all been used to him being before this as well. So his fantasy impact could be great for everybody involved. He wouldn't take away enough targets from Devontae Adams to drop him at all for me either. So really, it's a great thing for everybody involved with the Green Bay Packers from a fantasy standpoint. And he's somebody who I would definitely be targeting as a sleeper wide receiver who might be able to come in and win me a few weeks here and there in redraft leagues right off the bat along with him having great dynasty value. Now, number 31, the 49ers. And this is one of those picks that I was talking about where I may have put my little spin on it a little bit more. Past some of it has to do with that. 49ers are my favorite team. The other part of it has to do with it makes a lot of sense. Antoine Winfield Jr. is where I have the 49ers going with pick 31. Now, like I said before, if they don't trade back on the 13th pick, I think it's more likely that they'll trade back on the 31st pick. But they're going to trade back on one of these picks, most likely. Let's say that they don't. Let's say they stick here. Antoine Winfield makes a lot of sense to me. One, you need defensive back help. That's the number one thing. But they need a hybrid. They need a a center fielder free safety, but they also need a nickel corner. I know a lot of people have them going A.J. Terrell here, and I wouldn't be surprised if that was the direction that they went in, but... Because A.J. Terrell is more of a bigger perimeter type of corner, people have him drafting him to be the future replacement of Richard Sherman. But they already have that with Witherspoon. Yes, there's the jury's out on Witherspoon, whether he's going to be the guy later on or not. And I know there's some people kind of questioning that. But the jury's still out on him. They still want to see what he has. He did have a pretty good beginning half this season after he got hurt. He didn't seem to be the same guy. But the other guy was Moxley, who had a pretty good year filling in for Witherspoon as well. So they have their perimeter guys that they can go to if need be. Antoine Winfield is that guy. He's that Honey Badger type. He's that Buda Baker type. He can come in. He can play center field for you at safety, but he can also drop down and play and be a very good nickel corner for you guys. So I have him going Antoine Winfield here. I think the whole size thing I don't think is 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 relevant. I see this guy make plenty of tackles. I see him fly around the field. He's a ball hawk, and that's the biggest thing. That defense, the biggest thing they could benefit from, as great as they were last year, is having a more ball hawking secondary, secondary and get them more turnovers. He fits that to a T. He had that production. He has that ability. His dad had that ability and he shows a lot of the similar traits to his dad back in the day i love we love this pick here at 31 for the 49ers i think it would make what is already going to be possibly a top four defense even better especially from a fantasy perspective because i think he would definitely help add to the turnovers that they could possibly get but our last pick of this podcast and i know we're going on long but i wanted to get through it and i want to be thorough as i possibly can this last pick of this podcast is jk dobbins to the kansas city chiefs at number 32 now, there's some there's some different directions they could go here, right? They could go at center with Ruiz. That's something that they have talked about quite a bit. They could go, well, before they could possibly go Zach Bond, but after he tested positive for diluted sample, he may not be going in the first round anymore, the linebacker there. So I think the one that makes the most sense to me is J.K. Dobbins. Look, yes, they have Damian Williams, and he's fine as a pass catcher, but what he proved last year was that, one, you can't trust him to hold up to be the featured guy, and two, clearly Andy Reid had no intention of him being the featured guy because he brought in LaShawn McCoy before Damian Williams was ever hurt in week one anyway. LaShawn McCoy, who's pretty much done at this point. Uh, so I do think that they're going to look to go running back, and while I wouldn't mind if they went Jonathan Taylor here, Jonathan Taylor would be my better running back on the board. I think because of what they're looking for. They want to have a guy who could be all three downs and be a guy who 
would be a better compliment to Patrick Mahomes than necessarily getting the best running back available. I think it's going to be J.K. Dobbins because he's the second best pass catcher of this of this draft class. I think that's going to be the big factor for them here. Um, so that's why I think they're going to go in that direction. He bounces a lot. He plays kind of a quick hitting type of style, which is what the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be looking for. They want a guy who can be a quick hitter. They want a guy who can get in and out. They want a guy who can bounce off the guys. They want a guy who's going to be great in screens, going to be great in draws. And that's what J.K. Dobbins is going to be able to bring to the table. I think he would fit really great. And as far as far as he goes, I mean, his value, his fantasy value couldn't be higher than it possibly could be with any other team than if he's able to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. So to me, this makes the most sense in the world for him. This makes a lot of sense for the Chiefs themselves. And I think for fantasy purposes, he is somebody who I would be getting a hard look at in redraft leagues, not just dynasty purposes, especially because he's going to get an opportunity at some point to be the featured back. Redraft leagues, he might not. Year one, they're still going to have Damian Williams have his role, but I wouldn't be surprised if because he's such a better back on first and second down that he could wind up taking over. Andy Reid has shown in the past that if he has a guy that he feels like he can trust on all three downs, he will stick to one guy. Uh, and that has to be the case. So I do think J.K. Dobbins kind of fits that role, what he can be, and will bring that to the table. And I would love that. And we would, we would be talking about him in redraft leagues uh, as well there. That wraps it up. Here's a quick recap for you guys that are watching on the video stream that I have up for you for all the picks that we went through. We will be back next week. Uh, we What we'll do is we'll be recapping the first round draft. Make sure you guys go ahead and check me out. I'll be on uh, Geoff Lambert's podcast. He has a big stream going on. We're streaming the entire first round of the draft. I'll be on there for the last picks of that draft later on that first round. That'll be next Thursday. But next week for this show, we will be back 12 o'clock on Friday like we always are. And we'll be recapping the first round of the draft and giving you my fantasy implications for what we do know and what we did see uh, for sure at that point. And then the week after... We will recap from a fantasy perspective the rest of the draft the week after that. So a lot of draft talk over the next three weeks. I hope hope you guys all enjoyed the show. I hope you guys will be back soon. I hope you guys follow Belly Up Fantasy. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at MDSFFShow. Make sure you follow us on Facebook at MDFFShow. Make sure you get all the player news update notifications and check us out on your favorite podcast app. We'll be seeing you guys all real, real soon. Everybody stay safe, stay healthy, and enjoy. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 